In your Bibles, if you'd please open to Matthew, be in Matthew chapter 8 and some of 9 this morning. We've been walking rather quickly through the Gospel of Matthew over the last several weeks. I love Matthew because of his detail and his message, uh, his central focus of his message is the proclamation of the kingdom of God and Jesus as the authority, the true king, the true Messiah that the world has been longing for uh, to come and, and bring his kingdom. We've seen that in the authority that Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the conclusion of his sermon the people who sat and listened to him, they realized uh, when he had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. They recognized that there was something different about Jesus, that the way he spoke and the authority in which he spoke from was different than anyone else that they had experienced. And so at the beginning of last week's message, I just asked of you this sort of simple but important question. Does Jesus have authority in your life? Because really, if Jesus, if we aren't going to say, okay, he has the authority over heavens and earth, then the Sermon on the Mount really doesn't make much sense. But if Jesus does have authority, then we really need to listen to the end of his message, the end of his sermon, which was, this invitation for us to build our lives on the teaching of Christ, that we would hear him and obey him. And so it is our lives as Christians that we live under the authority of Christ, we listen to his teachings, and we carry them out in our everyday life. If, if you want to boil it down to the basic sense of what it means to be a Christian, Jesus has authority, and what he says goes. And so if he teaches me, okay, I'm to love my neighbor, well then, that's what I need to go and do. And uh, if he teaches me that I need to, uh, to pray in a certain way, then, well, by golly, I'm going to pray the way Jesus invites me to pray. And then on those hard things, I'm not going to listen to him, right? No, no. So in every aspect of our lives, we are called and invited to follow Jesus and live under his authority. And what I love about Matthew is, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we get the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus teaches with authority. And what we see in Matthew 8 and 9 is Jesus demonstrating his authority. And so we get Jesus in his words in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and then we get Jesus in his deeds in Matthew 8 and 9. And so what I'd like to do is just kind of look at some of the story that, that Matthew brings to light and, says, and shows us this is Jesus' authority in the world. And this is the one that we're following. And so it's one thing to say, okay, Jesus and his words, I trust in his teaching. But it's also then we're going to see Jesus' power on display. If you are like me, this is where it kind of gets a little more difficult. And what I mean by that is, is it's one thing to say, okay, I'm with you, Jordan. I think that Jesus has authority and he is the true teacher of the law and he has given us a new way of living. Like, Jesus' way is way better than our way. Like, there's not much disagreement or pushback on that. Where we get pushback, and tell me if I'm wrong, but where we get pushback is in the control things. I like to be in control. Who likes to be in control? 
better, better question is, who likes the false sense that you are in control? <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're all delusional, right? It's like, and what Matthew 8 and 9 shows us, show us and reveal to us about Jesus is, is that he's the one who's in control. He is the one who's greater than death. He's the one who's greater than, uh, than evil. He's the one who's greater than the storm. He's the one who's greater than the, uh, than the demons blinding the blind man. He's greater than all of the sort of obstacles that are in the way, the things that we sort of get a sense that somehow we are in control of or, or have um, delusions of control. Jesus will show his authority. And what I want you to see this morning is that Jesus uses his authority not in the ways in which the world and people with their authority abuse power and control. That the way Jesus uses his authority, and this is the most important thing that we could ever understand about who Jesus is, that Jesus uses his power, his authority, his position at the right hand of God to bear the iniquities and the suffering of the entire world. Jesus is using his authority to bear the iniquities of the world. That's the king who you follow. You do not follow a king who uses his power to abuse us or to use us or to position himself over us. We follow a savior. We follow a king. We follow one who has all the authority so that he can bear the iniquities of the world. He looks at us at the end of chapter 9. It says he looks at those who are following him and he says to them that he has compassion over them. God pours his heart out over his people. He empties himself out because he looks at us and he says they are like sheep without a shepherd. And he's coming to us and he's saying, let me lead you. Let me be the one who has authority so that you live according to my word, but that you would also live and trust in my power to make the world right. And so we just walk with Jesus and we trust him. And Jesus will spend part of his time, and Matthew will draw out, and he'll say, Jesus came and he invited people to come follow him. And people came and they some followed, but then others came up with excuses or reasons that it, they weren't quite ready to follow him. One was a legitimate excuse, let me go bury my father. And Jesus, you know, says, well, let the dead bury their own dead. You know, Jesus, he's calling us to prioritize him prioritize the kingdom trust in his authority let him lead your life let's start with prayer and dig into god's word god lead us open our hearts to you forgive us of our sins forgive us lord for turning our eyes away from you forgive us lord for finding our own way forgive us for being uh, far too concerned about our control and our own authority and our autonomy from you. And help us to see, Lord, that you are a compassionate and loving Father as you've displayed through your Son, Jesus, who has compassion on us. Lord, he looks to us and he sees us as sheep who have lost their way. Let us hear the Good Shepherd's voice today and lead us back to you. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name.
Amen. In Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds, they followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man and he said, I am willing, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. I've read that story many times and I was reading some notes and reading, um, reading some different things and, and I realized that this was the first person, uh, maybe not chronologically, but this is the first person to start praying the Lord's Prayer. And what I mean by that is there's a part of the Lord's Prayer, you know, the disciples ask Jesus, how, you know, how should we be praying? And Jesus says, well, you know, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's this man with leprosy who comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if it will be, if it is your will, let your will be done here. Are you willing, if you're willing, if it's your will, I trust in your authority that you can make me well. And there's so much going on just in this little story, just this little thing that kind of gives us the whole picture of God's goodness and his grace and his mercy for all people. That a person with leprosy could come near to Jesus would be, uh, you know, that would have in itself been a cultural faux pas. There's a lot going on just in that event where people with leprosy were often shunned and even adhering to the law, there was a level of separation, there was cleanliness laws. Leprosy was this terrible thing that caused people to not be able to experience pain. And because they couldn't feel pain, that led to sores. It led to um, just all sorts of skin disease and problems. And so this person that came to Jesus is probably uh, not the healthiest looking of people to come to Jesus. Jesus was willing to draw near. Jesus was willing to cleanse and, and heal him and make him well. What we should get is this really simple thing of Jesus is willing to cleanse the leper. Jesus is willing and he invites us to pray that prayer that we would seek the Lord and seek his will, seek his wisdom for our lives. God, if it is your will, let your will be done here on earth as it it is in heaven. And I had this thought this morning and I haven't vetted it enough, but it feels like Matthew 8 and 9 is people beginning to pray the Lord's Prayer and Jesus carrying it out. People praying, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. This is Jesus' kingdom arriving and breaking into the world. And the way Jesus, the way this prayer is being answered, the way this prayer is being answered is one by one, people coming to believe in the power of Christ, coming to be healed, coming to be forgiven. And so the stories just start piling up, and we have people who are giving their faith to Jesus. They're giving their allegiance to him. In uh, 8 verse 5, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. 
but almost recognizing, I don't have any authority. The centurion, I don't have any authority here. I don't have any control in this one. I can tell my servant to stand. I can tell them to go here, but I can't do anything to help this servant who's suffering and is paralyzed, but I know the one who does. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and he said to those following him, Truly, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside in the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Jesus encounters someone who understands authority and here's someone who places their faith in his authority. They understand the limits of their control, and, it, and he says to them, I know the, that if you say the word, I know that if you say this, it can be so. The centurion sees true authority, and Jesus is experiencing Israel, and Israel doesn't have any sense of Jesus' authority quite in this way. They're still coming around to the idea, and here's the centurion, one you wouldn't necessarily expect to be the sort of spokesperson for faith in Israel is um, someone who's not an Israelite themselves. When Jesus came into the Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever, and Peter said, just leave her be. Um, wait, no, that's not in there. He touched her hand. That was a bad in-law joke. I, I have great in-laws, so I shouldn't ever make in-law jokes, but... Uh, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law. I'm just making sure you're all awake, you know. <laughs> Stay with me now. He saw his uh, mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her, and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. I always, I always love, uh, love the picture of being healed, and the first response is to simply care for him and wait on him. How has Jesus touched your life? And we just, how do we respond? How do I respond to Jesus' love for me and his healing and his care for me and my soul? When the evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. I read it this morning, and just really want to draw our hearts to it again. He took up our infirmities and he bore our diseases. If you're tracking with Matthew, here's one who speaks with authority, calls us to trust in him, follow and obey him. And we hear it in word and then we start seeing it indeed that he truly has authority in this world and he starts healing and helping and driving, driving out darkness and what comes to mind as the disciples reflect on this is one who uses his authority not to draw away from the world, but to step into the darkness, step into the evil, step into the suffering, step into the hardship, step into the brokenness of the world, and he bears it on his mighty shoulders. Jesus takes up our infirmities and our diseases. And what we should know in our hearts today is that Jesus is bearing that suffering with you still. 
that Jesus cares deeply for each and every one of us. That he continues to bear on his shoulders the suffering and the hardship, the heartache, the grief, the sorrow, the bitterness, the shame, all of those things Jesus bears on his shoulders for you. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need those reminders and I need these little nuggets tucked away in the Bible that remind me that Jesus is there for you. And it's not to just, you know, make you rich and wealthy. Like, that's what we're all shooting for, right? No, Jesus is there for you because he loves you and he doesn't want to see you suffer and hurt and live a life separated from God. And so he invites us to come follow him so that we might draw near to God. That we might be forgiven, that we might have life, that we might have renewal, that we might have strength, that we might have comfort, that we might have peace. Jesus brings and bears all of this in him. And he gives it to you. Because he doesn't use his authority as some power down and abuses. But the one with all authority in heaven on earth bears the iniquities of the world. He uses his strength to heal. He uses his position to bring peace. This is the king that we need. This is the authority that we need. This is the kingdom that we're invited into. And this is the invitation that Jesus draws all of us to when he says in verse 18, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross the other side of the lake. Then the teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Jesus calls us to him and he calls us to prioritize him over everything else. We wrestle with this because it's against all of our sort of social notions about what is right and what is wrong, what we should have and what we shouldn't have. And Jesus says to come and follow me, to come and follow me. And though there will be difficulty, though there will not be the sort of comforts that we've come to appreciate in our lives. We come to him finding life. We come to him finding hope. And we see him as one who has absolute authority in heaven and on earth in verse 23 then he got into the boat his disciples followed him suddenly a furious storm came up in the lake so that the waves swept over the boat but jesus was sleeping the disciples they went and they woke him and they said lord save us we are going to drown and he replied you of little faith why are you so afraid Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed, and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. If we're listening, we see Jesus as one who has authority to heal. We see Jesus as the one who has the authority to call us to follow him. We see Jesus as one who is, has the authority to calm the storms. And then in the last story in chapter 8, it says, when he arrived at the other side in the region of Gadarenes, Gadarenes two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. 
they were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, Son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and they went into the pigs. And the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and they died on the water. Died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into town and reported all this including what had happened into the demon-possessed man. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Lost in the story of that is the sort of rejection of Jesus, but there is a group that listened. Jesus has the power to heal. Jesus has the authority to call us to follow him. Jesus has authority over heaven and earth, and he calms the storm and what we see in jesus is jesus is greater than the darkness jesus is greater than evil if you could commit to heart a chapter of the bible this one probably would do you all right that in the midst of all the things that we face in our life all of the hardship all of the grief all the difficulty all those things that just one by one, just eat away at our hearts, eat away at our confidence, eat away uh, our confidence in God, eat away at this sort of struggle of life. How do you wake up some mornings and you put, you know, you put one foot in front of the other and keep moving? There are mornings where we, it's all we can do is just that. But there are these reminders of our life. That the darkness may come, that there may be evil, there may be suffering, there may be these things that are just happening in our life. And if all we would do, just remember who has authority. Who has authority in heaven on earth? Well, chapter 8 and chapter 9 teach us that it's Jesus. And so here's what we do. We circle back to Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we get on our hands and our knees and we find our prayer closet and we pray. We pray to the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth to cleanse us of our sins. Chapter 9 brings up the forgiveness passage. It's where the friends bring the paralyzed man to Jesus and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And everybody's like, well, the dude can't walk. We didn't bring him here for forgiveness. And he said, well, I'm going to heal him of that so that I can teach you that I have authority to forgive. Who has authority to forgive sins? Who has authority to cleanse? Who has authority to reunite us Who has with God? Who has authority to calm the storms? Who has authority to help you to see God's truth and God's grace? Who has the authority? This is where you would all say Jesus, right? <laughs> I know it was sort of rhetorical. I tricked you there a little bit, but we know the answer is Christ Jesus. And so we come back to his prayer. When we ask him, how should we pray? We'll say, our Father who's in heaven, holy and good and righteous is your name. And please let your kingdom come. 
Let it come into my family's life that they might know of your grace and of your love. Let it come into my community that people might be restored to you and know of grace and truth and love and hope and mercy. Let your kingdom come in our uh, little neck of the little corner of the world. And let your kingdom come where our missionaries are out sharing the good news, good news of Christ. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. And Lord, if it's your will, would you heal my friends of this cancer? Lord, if it is your will, would you give uh, life to this child? Lord, if it is your will, would you cleanse and would you bring your peace and your healing and your love? Lord, if it is your will, we trust you. Please bring healing and hope and your salvation. Continue to care for my daily needs as I trust in you and I know that you care for me and you bless me and you love me and you've given me so much. Let me be a blessing to others. Continue, God, in this. Let me care for my enemies. Let me bless them and forgive them. Not hold grudges against them, but let me be a person of peace and love and kindness in their life. And this is for your glory and your honor and your your splendor let me decrease and let you increase let your kingdom come and your will be done and friends when we trust in the authority of Christ all Jesus has to do is say the word and there's healing all Jesus has to do is respond and however he does that I don't know what he does. <laughs> but he brings healing and hope and salvation. And so the question is, do I believe in that authority? Do I live under that authority? Or am I busy off in my little sandbox thinking that I get to run the show? Is it Christ and his world? One of the great hymns that we've had is that this is my father's world. It is truly his. And we are called to trust in him and pray. And watch how he works in you and works around you to bring his kingdom here. Let's trust in him and pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.